Today's read, A Moment of Silence, Midnight Three by Sister Soldier, Chapter 17, Naja's Watching, A Reflection. So, which one do you love more, Akimi or Chiasa? Naja asked me. We were standing outside our new home in Queens at her bus stop waiting for the green minibus that picks her up and takes her to Khadija's Islamic School for Girls, where she just completed third grade and was now beginning her summer session. It's not a competition, I said calmly, looking down the block for her bus. I didn't say it was, she replied playfully, but everyone has favorites, even Uma, she said, catching my full attention. Did Uma say that she likes one of my wives more than the other? I asked. Nope, she didn't. But you are Uma's favorite. She loves you more than she loves me, she answered with a seriousness, searching me for a real reaction. Sounds untrue. Don't feel like that. I hugged her with one arm around her shoulder. I'm older. Uma has known me for more years. I'm a son, so I am responsible for a lot more. I reasoned with her. She stood, staring up and into my eyes, her little bronze face framed by her pale pink hijab. You know Uma loves you. If she heard what you were saying right now, she would feel disappointed. I cautioned her without a scolding tone. I know she loves me, Naja said confidently, pulling back her little shoulders in a proud little girl stance. Just like I know she loves you more. <laughs> she laughed, feeling like she had won. You even said it yourself. You said Uma knows you more and that you are responsible for more. You used the word more two times. So, you agree with me. Your bus is coming, I pointed. So which one is it? I know you love both of your wives, but which one do you love more? She was determined. Assalamu alaikum. I greeted the woman who gets off from their bus, guides the children in, and walks back up the few steps right behind them. Wa alaikum salam, brother. She responded pleasantly to me. Are you ever going to tell me the answer, Naja asked me, or are you going to try and make me forget the way that adults do when they don't want little kids to know anything? She and I and Akimi were all three walking in Lower Manhattan through the cobblestone back streets where the top vintage shops were tucked away. I was scouting out and purchasing the most fashionable items of clothes for resale in Asia. My first wife is a charm for my business. Her eyes know what suits Asian tastes, and she could break it down country by country. She would hold something up and say, Korea, hi, Japan, no. She let me know that this would sell nicely in Korea, but not in Japan. Japan was all about designer kicks, and they would pay three to five more times the retail amount than we had already paid in America. Japan was all about the newest and latest trend. They had vintage shops, but the majority of Japanese wanted strictly new styles. Their tastes would switch rapidly, and they had the cash flow to keep it up at the time, Korea was behind fashion forward Japan, but among the young Koreans, because of the products promoted by the music, television, and film media, there was a growing interest and market for anything that Koreans believed Americans thought was fashionable wear. However, they weren't up on the shoe and sneaker game yet, and Black Sea and I were pushing to create that market among the teen and college student crowd. We were especially pumping it through the Korean entertainment circles and breakdancing crews on their side. The vintage shops had the inventory that would sell in Korea at prices that they could afford and wear proudly. 
even if an item was off season or throwback, as long as it had the right brand name and Americans loved it, many Koreans would buy it, use it, keep it. Akimi won't know what we're talking about anyway. Naja was in sneaky mode. So you can tell me which one you love more. Whisper if you have to. Naja. Akimi doesn't speak English, but she is not unaware of anything. I wouldn't speak about her the way that you are. You should stop, I said. She looked like her little feelings were hurt, and that didn't matter. She needed to understand. If you love Akimi like you say you do, you should help her to understand English instead of tricking her because she doesn't understand English. Sorry, she said softly. Next time, I'll ask you when you and I are alone. And I do love Akimi more than Chiasa. I knew Akimi first, same as Uma knew you first. And Akimi takes better care of me than the other one. And I do teach Akimi some English words sometimes. Like when you aren't home yet, but I'm still awake. Or like when you are on the first floor, when Uma and Akimi and I all live on the second. I just looked at her. Naja's young, but she is not dumb. She's curious and watching everything that goes on in our home. I feel good that we are not showing her anything wrong or shameful. During this summer school session, she only has two courses, classical Arabic and Islamic studies. I knew that from her learning the Quran, she would begin to think and feel even more deeply than before and also would be questioning and comparing everything she saw in her home, in school, and in the families of her and our friends. Akimi turned into a vintage boutique displaying last season's Laura Ashley summer collection. Naja and I walked in behind her. She eased by everything displayed up front, moving towards the back. Out ran a short, slim man, dressed in lemon-colored everything, even suspenders. You're just gorgeous, he said, placing the palms of his hands over his face, smudging the cosmetics that I just noticed that he was wearing. And look at those baby doll feet of yours, and those five-alarm fire-red Gucci sandals put Imelda Marcos to shame, he said to Akimi. While you're at it, name me the salon that painted those Picassos in your toenails. And why cover up that beautiful hair? Oh, I know. Because beautiful hair on top of everything else you've got going on would be a crime, he laughed joyously. Akimi stepped right beyond him. She doesn't speak English, I explained. Rude is the same in every language, he equipped. He quipped. And by the way, you are quite gorgeous too. Stop the bus. You're prettier than her, he said, laughing. I thought he had a mental illness. But in business, I've learned to interact with all types of characters until whatever deal I'm seeking is complete. He wasn't hurting nothing. Akimi weaved in and out of the tables where wooden boxes were piled high with choices. She arrived at a back rack. Then I saw what she saw. High fashion leather coats for the autumn season. She was thinking ahead. I like that. She slipped one on to show me and sat the black leather motorcycle hat over the Hermes scarf she wore to conceal her hair. Hi, I said to her, letting her know to pull it and anything else she found like that back there. I went to the wooden boxes. I started pulling t-shirts with brand names and bold English lettering. When I was in Japan, I was surprised to see how many teens were wearing t-shirts with English lettering on them. The illest thing, though, was that they would be bootleg with letters that didn't spell a word or had a sentence that didn't make sense. The fashion for them was only the English lettering, I found out. So... The English letter t-shirts that had the Coca-Cola brand stamped on them, or Nike, or Reebok, or even Nintendo, I pulled all of them. I thought it was crazy. They manufacture all that over there, but would pay top dollar to buy it back 
in the form of fashion. Akimi is super pretty, Naja said. Now we were in a nearby ice cream parlor that both Akimi and Naja could not resist. While I was weighed down with bags, Akimi pointed to the toppings she wanted on her sundae. Yes, she is, I agreed. She has nice eyes and her hair is long and perfect. Remember when she cut it? And now look, it grew back even longer. I want my hair to be styled the same as hers, Naja said softly, like she was making a wish. But Uma said no. Uma says, I am too young to go to the beauty parlor. Whatever Uma says is what you should do. Always, I assured my little sister. Akimi doesn't treat me like a baby, she boasted. And she shares. Shares what? I asked. Well, she shares you, first of all. And, she continued, she shares her lotions and creams with me. And she painted my face once. That was the best. And when I took a pair of her pretty heels out of her closet and put them on, I fell. Akimi picked me up. Then she showed me how to walk in heels until I got it right. And she even put a book on my head. I had to learn to walk in the heels without the book falling off. That was fun, she said excitedly. Akimi's bedroom? is the only place where you can walk in heels with a book on your head or not, I said solemnly. I know, she said, shrugging her little shoulders. Our workshop is in the basement of our queen's home. Initially, I thought it would be my space. In the interest of our varied family businesses, I opted to make it a place where each of us could organize whatever we were working on. I used a small corner table to take inventory of the items I had purchased and would be sending overseas. On the large table, where Uma had her Uma Designs sewing machine and supplies, as well as a clean and smooth surface for measuring and cutting fabrics, she and Chiasa and Akimi sat. Naja considered herself a helper. She shuttled back and forth on any given night choosing who she was going to work with on a whim. Akimi and Chiasa were flowing in a rapid, fluent, soft-spoken Japanese. Chiasa was describing to Akimi exactly how she wanted her clothing customized. Akimi was listening and imagining and sketching all at once the design that Chiasa was requesting. She would pause after a while and show the drawing to Chiasa for her approval or changes. Uma would then create a pattern for the design that Akimi sketched. Chiasa would choose her fabrics and Uma would make the new wardrobe. Once Uma had the pattern mastered, she could make those designs for sale to any customer if she chose to do so. Naja was looking over the shoulders of my two wives as they worked. Why do you want so many pockets? She asked Yasa. Pockets are for holding in place whatever I am carrying. But why are you asking Uma to put your pockets on the inside of the skirt instead of on the outside like everybody else's? Naja asked Yasa as she also began leaning on Akimi's shoulder. I like to keep my hands free, Chiasa said patiently. And we are women. Sometimes we don't want everyone to know what we are carrying in our pockets. I have a quarter, Naja said, pulling it out from her jeans pocket. No one knew I had it in my pocket. True, Chiasa said, but a quarter is a small coin. A bigger item might make an impression in the pocket. Then some stranger could tell that's what it was. Then you should carry a pocketbook like a Kimi. Her pocketbooks are beautiful, and she has a different one for every dress or outfit she wears and even matches them with her pretty shoes, Naja said with one hand on her hip now. Chiasa could feel what Naja wanted her to feel. I could tell. Yet Chiasa was calm and cool and much more clever than my little sister, of course. Naja 
Do you know any other little girl who is just like you? She asked. Not exactly, Naja said. Probably not even close, right? Nope, Naja said proudly. Right, because every girl and every woman is unique. There must be some things about you, Naja, that are special. Things that you like or things that you do a certain way or things that you say that are unlike what anyone else likes or does or says. You do these things your way, not because you're a girl, but because you are Naja, Jasa said excitedly. Naja was thinking. For once, she didn't have the swift comeback. Seconds later, she came up with something. At school, all of us girls dress the same way every day. We all speak English while we are each learning to speak Arabic better and better every day. We have the same classes all together. So I don't know, Naja admitted. Maybe we should find out, Chiasa said. Find out what? Find out exactly what makes Naja special, different, and unique from others. Maybe, Naja said. She paused. Then she blurted out to Chiasa. But don't you think that you're a little too special? I mean, you don't eat lamb. Everybody else does. Even girls in my school who come from other places like Saudi Arabia and Malaysia and Nigeria all eat lamb. You don't eat beef. Chiasa interrupted her. I don't eat any four-legged animals, Chiasa condensed it, to stop Naja from listing all of the animals in the animal kingdom. That's strange. And every other day, instead of eating three meals like everybody else, you only drink juices that only you have to make in your loud juicer. And you eat onions the same like they were apples. Nobody in the whole world does that. You put coconut oil or olive oil on your skin instead of lotion like all of the ladies do. I saw you soaking your feet in cranberry juice and almost had a heart attack. I thought you were bleeding to death, Naja inhaled. I see you have really been watching me, Chiasa smiled. And you read boring books. You should buy some new ones, Naja criticized. I read the books that I like to read. Books that teach me something that I don't already know about, Chiasa said softly. I was surprised. She didn't lose the slightest bit of her cool. She's very sensitive about her books. And humans have two legs. Do you eat humans? Naja asked sarcastically. Later that night, after I delivered the clothes I had inventoried and packed tightly in two duffels to go overseas, I went straight up to the second floor to my first wife's bedroom. Quietly, I pushed her door open and looked inside, only to see Naja lying there on Akimi's stomach. Akimi's blouse was open. Naja's eyes were closed. Akimi placed one finger over her pretty lips as if to say, Naja is asleep. I stepped right in and lifted my little sister and carried her to her own bedroom. I knew she was pretending. I could see her little eyeballs moving around beneath her closed eyelids. I laid her on her bed, her face landing softly on her pillow. As I walked out, hitting the switch to turn the lights off, Naja began chattering again. Wait, I have two great reasons why you should love Akimi more. She sprung up to the sitting position. Good night, Naja, I said, closing the door. Please listen, she said with enthusiastic desperation. I stood in the almost shut door, not because I wanted to hear what she had to say, but because I didn't want to hurt her little feelings even though I thought she was heading down a wrong path. One, remember when we first came to see this house, like before you and Uma even bought it? Naja asked. Of course, I said. Then you'll agree that it was a really stinky, messy place. Akimi changed this whole house and made it the most beautiful home, not only her bedroom, but every room. 
She even painted the whole Fatiha on our living room wall. How come she could make the Arabic letters look so perfect when she can't even speak or write in Arabic at all? Naja asked innocently. No one has to convince me about my wife. I chose her. I married her. I love her. Good night, Naja, I said solemnly. And Akimi has three hearts. Naja whispered loudly and quickly, holding her three fingers in the air and waving them. Three hearts, I repeated. Yes, I had my face on her tummy. Her skin is soft. I heard the baby's hearts. They're twins. That's two. And I heard Akimi's heart beating also. That's three. I stood in the hallway with her bedroom door now all the way shut. I felt a little... I felt a little tight and a low-grade anger was building up in me. My head had been business all day and all evening and business was real good so I didn't know why I felt stuck the way I did right then. I could see the light glowing from beneath Uma's door. Uma, I knocked lightly just in case she had fallen into sleep. When I heard her reply, I pushed her door her door open halfway. About Naja, I said. I know, Uma said. I know. My daughter has been stirring up a storm in our home. Step in. I can see you have a question. Uma smiled and patted her bedspread, inviting me to sit. Amazed, I loved the way she could possibly know the details of my thoughts and feelings before I express them. Uma's bedroom was how I imagined an exclusive spa or club would be, although I had never been to a spa. But people seemed to go there to relax looking for a clean, good-smelling place to unwind and get massaged. Three walls, only one with a window, in Uma's room were lined with long, sheer, peach-colored curtains, which she kept open or closed based on her feeling. The moon pouring through the peach fabric would cast beams of colored light creating the illusion of stars indoors. The fourth wall had wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, decorative wooden racks that held 20 test tube-sized designer glass vials in a row, and 20 shelves of rows of elixirs of perfumes and oils and treatments that we packaged and sold. The natural scents created a scent that was pleasing and clean when you inhaled, She didn't have or want a television, opting for a radio, which she had set on her favorite stations. The satin summer quilt that she made and pillows from an array of fabrics made her bed seem incredibly comfortable. Rather than get lost in Uma's atmosphere, her warm smile, or my admiration for her, I opted to sit on her floor and listen carefully to whatever advice she could offer. Do you think it matters if a man loves his wives 50-50 or not? I asked her. She paused and thought. 50-50, she said with a soft confidence, or any definite percentage would be impossible, I believe. And a 50-50 portion of your true love to each of your wives is not required in Islam. It is only required that a man treat them fairly because of course the heart and love itself cannot be controlled or legislated by anyone else. Allah created each of us that way. Even you yourself cannot demand that your own heart obey you. You can want it to, You can ask it to, but in the end, the heart feels as it feels and does as it does, she said softly, and then smiled like she somehow could see directly into my thoughts, 
feelings and concerns. Your father, before we married, had once said something to me that I had never considered in my own thoughts. I was young and in love with him, and I listened and hung onto his every word, and he also clung to mine, and you know, as you know, I am from the north of Sudan, and your father is from the south. He loved my talks to him about the Quran and my beliefs. I loved his talks to me about his childhood and growing up in the South and their beliefs. Well, your father said that being in love is not necessary to marry, Uma recalled with a melancholy smile. She had mentioned my father. She had my full attention. I raised my head to look into her eyes, not wanting her thoughts of my father and his not being here to cause her to cry. I said to your father that of course love is so necessary for marriage. Then I asked him, if I did not love you so deeply, what would be left over between us? Uma said and I smiled. I liked her question. Your father answered my question with a question, she explained. He said, Sana, do you think every woman has the same kind of heart as yours? Do you think that each woman can love so deeply as you do? I smiled. I liked my father's questions also. Some women want to marry with me because they think my father is a great man and they want to give birth to one of my father's grandchildren. Uma imitated the rhythm of my father's voice while speaking his words. Your father told me that and I really laughed a lot at that idea. Some women want to marry me because of the amount of land I have and the size of the house I will build for her. One woman wants to marry me because I have traveled outside of the village and she dreams of one day traveling the world with me. One woman wants to marry because her father is the chief and her father wants me to work for him. If his daughter is able to marry me, he promises her great wealth in exchange for bringing him the golden son-in-law and even greater wealth than I myself can provide, he explained. What did you say? I asked Uma. It is what he said that matters. He said that he believes that marriage is a choice that a man and woman both make without force. And that was all that was necessary. He said there are so many different reasons to marry. There are marriages that are made to bring two certain families together in relation marriage for tribe or nation, marriages that are made for money, land, gold, cattle, or fruits and vegetables. There are marriages that are made because a man took an oath to protect his brother or his friend's wife in the case that their soul returned to Allah and that woman and her children became widowed and alone, and even marriages that are made out of pure compassion, Uma explained. What about love? That's what I asked your father at that point. He said to me, the same as I just gave you a short list of reasons that two people want to marry one another, love is also another reason on that list. Different men and different women marry for different reasons. Their reasons lead them into marriage, but marriage is the bond. The reason is not as important as the bond. Bonds should not ever be taken as trifle or lightly and easy to break or throw aside or away. That is why a man and a woman should clearly know each of their reasons for wanting to marry before forming that sacred bond. And what did you think about his words, I asked. Honestly, after he told me all of the different reasons that different women and either their fathers or mothers or families or tribes wanted him as their son-in-law, 
I had counted about 13 women all desiring to be his wife, even though I felt I knew I wanted to know what kind of marriage he believed he would have with me. What was his reason to form our bond? Did you ask him? Of course. Your father, in his sweet talk to me, said that our love exceeded the boundaries of North and South, of tribe and nation, and of even culture soil and family obligations and relations. He said that his marriage to me would be a marriage of the heart. He told me that I gave him Islam and that he gave me his heart and that we then shared the greatest love that could exist on the earth. Did you believe his words? Or does a woman worry about comparing what type of bond a man has with his other wives and what each woman is receiving from the same man? I asked my Uma, and she smiled like the sun. What woman can hear such lovely words and not believe? (laughs) I believed him. We agreed to marry, despite all of the opposition and challenges presented to our love and union. Your father chose me as his first wife. I knew there would be two others. I knew that his union and reasons to be with them were different, but that his bond with them and with me was the same. He gave each of us his word. His word was his bond. I didn't worry at all about trying to figure out the percentages of his love. His love felt real to me every day, whether he was with me or elsewhere. His love feels real to me even now. I didn't feel cheated when he provided for them or spent time with either of them. I accepted them as co-wives and as family. I love him, so I love all that comes with loving him. Uma's words silenced me, and for some moments she had even silenced herself. I agree with Naja. Your second wife is a bit complicated, Uma suddenly said to me, and my jaw tightened. Yet she is quite heavenly, she added. My tightened jaw began to ease. It's not that Naja and I don't love and accept your second wife. It is that Chiasa shines so brightly in every way that those closest to you, including your little sister, feel that you are only able to see her. When we are all living here closely in this one house, Uma lay across her bed now so that she could look over and see into my eyes. It's funny. You and your second wife are both quiet, yet your feelings for one another are so powerful and loud that in even complete silence, everyone around you can sense and feel them. The sea of emotions that swirls between you and Chiasa. What shall the rest of us do? Uma asked me. I could tell she didn't expect an answer. I also felt that she was speaking not about herself, but about nausea and my first wife's feelings. But as my mind sped, I was 100% certain that Akimi had never said or mentioned or even insinuated a bad opinion or feeling or issue about Chiasa. Not to worry too much. I have never seen you do anything haram. You have treated your first wife with an intensity and tenderness and with great attention and affection. You have provided for her, protected her, and it is so obvious that you love her. I didn't have a response. I never acknowledged or confirmed whether what Uma believed she had observed between Chiasa and me was accurate. I stood up. Shukran was all I could muster, thanking her in Arabic. Afwan, Uma said, Arabic for you are welcome. 
I liked that she only said that one word and did not ask me to speak on the feelings of my heart when it comes to my wives. Don't be too disappointed in your little sister. She's so young. It's easy for someone to pull her strings like a puppet, especially if you and I don't set her straight, Uma said oddly. My hand was on the doorknob, poised to leave. My back was to my mother. I didn't move, still listening. It's not the first or the second wife pulling the strings. It's the one who feels left out and unloved. When a woman feels that way, she will draw closer and closer to the mother and siblings of the man she loves, even as he keeps his distance from her. And then I knew Sudana was the one dropping these thoughts and suggestions into my little sister's head. Paused in the hallway once again. I was facing the stairway that would lead me to Chiasa's room. I was four steps away from Akimi's door. The way I choose to flow with my wives is that usually, if I have spent the entire day and evening with one, I would spend the night with the other. If I need to think, read, or plan, or just get into my own head, I chill solo, right on the floor in the basement. I don't believe or feel that either of my wives is lonely. I've observed that women need and like time to themselves. Akimi needed a good deal of time to create her artwork. Giasa loves to read and research. And if my first or second wife were lonely, I know they would both take some kind of action to show me. When I was working hard on setting up this house before bringing them over, I'd returned to the hotel we had been using late at night. Both of them missed me. I'd wake up with one of them on each side. I felt like I was in paradise. I smiled. Beneath Akimi's door was a purple light. In my rhythm, it was Chiasa's night. I had been moving with strictly Akimi for two back-to-back days and nights, but her purple pulled me. Akimi had a different color light for every mood she felt at night, and an incredibly varied selection of music to match her nightly mode. In the upstairs hallway bathroom, I washed my face and hands, rinsed my mouth, and removed my t-shirt and belt. Back in the upstairs corridor, as I stood completely still, the house was now silent. Uma's lights were off. Naja slept. I would never know if the ninja girl downstairs was asleep or awake unless I was lying beside her. It had always been like that since we first met. I headed down. In the kitchen, in the dark, I was purposely light on my feet. I lifted a clay dish from the cabinet that was filled with cleaned dishes without clanking it or making even one sound. Gently, I pulled open the refrigerator. I did a good job, but the appliance betrayed me and began humming. Hurrying, I assembled some foods on the dish and grabbed a couple of glasses. When I pushed open her bedroom door, Akimi was in the midst of a yoga workout, the wicked scorpion pose, topless. She had on only her black satin panties. Her arms were on the floor, holding up the rest of her body. Her legs were curved over her head and dangling with the exact fluid look and feeling and manner in which a scorpion tail is shaped. She didn't move out of the posture or even glance my way. That's how she communicates instead of speaking. I placed the dish on the small wooden tray stand 
where she kept a pitcher of fresh water each night. As I stepped out of my jeans and shorts, I asked, Hakimi, are you hungry? Sukoshi, she said softly, meaning a little. Hakimi, why do you have my babies hanging upside down? Nani, she said, meaning what? Hakimi, do you love me? Mekya, she said, meaning a lot. I lay down beneath her, breaking her pose on purpose. She tried to ignore me and hold it. I saw her concealing her smile, but when I raised my lips to her breasts and kissed them, the good feeling caused her scorpion curve to unravel, and she was then lying flat on my chest. Were you busy? Did I interrupt you? I kissed her. Are you hot? I began pouring the water from the pitcher over her body, which was already moist from her workout. She rolled off laughing, but lay on her back so I could wet her breasts and belly. I poured the rest on her and moved the moisture around with my hand, massaging her. I put honey from the dish on her breasts. She put one finger on herself, swiped up the honey, and pushed her hand inside her panties. She wanted me to kiss her. I was brick, doing my own pose. I was pulling down her panties and using them to rope her over. She was on top. I was on the bottom. She raised up and threw her head back, but her hips were still swiveling and I was still pushing. We changed positions. Face to face, we were sitting. She moaned. I pushed my finger in her mouth, the one with the honey on it. She sucked it, a sensuous, quieter sound, as we bounced in the room next door to Uma. She did a lobster grip, hugging me tight as she could, scratching up my back and purring in my ear while I was sucking her neck. She was sitting on my shoulders now, her pretty feet each pressed against one of my thighs, her purple Picasso nail design glowing in her lovely purple light. She leaned forward, her long black hair flowing in my face. She began speaking to me, softly and slowly, as though in conversation, not in Japanese, but in Korean, the beautiful musical language that was itself like a moaning. I was listening to every word, understanding none, but knowing that this was some sweet talk she was saying. I flipped her over with one arm, caught, and held her with the other. Let's eat, I told her. She smiled. Still wanting me to eat her, I gave her a caramel instead, my answer to her sweet talk and her sweet cravings. Our mouths tugged over one piece of sushi. We were laughing and spilling rice on the wooden floor where it was already wet and slippery. Last thing I saw of you from her bedroom floor was her exotic fish, beautiful designs that Allah created, already glowing and swimming in the lighted water. Her purple light made them look more amazing. I remembered buying her that huge tank and walking from place to place as she said no to hundreds of fish and would find just one here and one there and another eventually until she had the most beautiful collection of living sea creatures. Everything Akimi did looked beautiful and that was very sexy to me. Before dawn, my eyes opened. Akimi and I had fallen asleep on the floor. She still held my privates in her hand as she slept. It had been like that with each night that we shared. I would awaken with her body glued to mine or with her holding my privates like she suspected that I would somehow disappear. I would never leave her. She has me for life and that's peace. Showering, I was thinking of her, my first wife, loving her over the many months of our less than one year new marriage is actually her who disappears because she does not speak English or Arabic. She sometimes slips away through those silences and no one can blame her, especially not me. When Shiasa and I were half an hour late, 
Meeting her at the Ghazali's, she was already gone when we arrived. Hakimi has a way of sending a shockwave through me with her disappearances, enough to keep me focused on her and to keep her heavy on my mind. I'm never worried about her wanting or choosing anyone over me. She wouldn't, ever, but she disappears through her silence and slips into her art. Her art is a magnet that draws every careful eye that recognizes the magnitude of her beauty talent and expressions she is a diamond my diamond so of course she is always in danger so i guard her protection from a husband father or brother is a necessary thing she has that in me what she doesn't have yet is faith she sleeps through the prayers and doesn't pray when she's awake. There is no sign of her worshiping anyone but me. To be without spiritual protection is a highly vulnerable and lonely position, no matter how much your man stands beside you. Only Allah can be everywhere at the same time. Still, there is no compulsion in Islam. I don't force her. My prayer is that she will come along naturally on her own schedule, using her own feeling, thoughts, and will. I am 100% certain, however, that she desires our children to be the same as me. They will be born Muslim and will certainly be raised into the faith. Inshallah. Dressed, I checked Uma before going downstairs to make prayer she wasn't in her bedroom. Naja wasn't in her bedroom either. Downstairs, Chiasa was not in her bedroom. I jumped into my kicks and pulled the front door open. It was unlocked, so I knew they went through the door. As soon as I stepped out, I saw Uma sitting on our front steps. She greeted me with a silent smile. I gave her a puzzled look. She pointed to the right. I looked. Chiasa and Naja were jogging in the dark, headed up the block towards our house. Come on, don't stop, don't slow down, you can do it. Chiasa was looking back, cheering Naja on to catch up to her. Ohio Kosamas, Chiasa called out, waving and running towards Uma and me. Naja finally caught up and was standing there, huffing and puffing, her little brown face covered with sweat. Drop down, Chiasa said. The grass is wet, Naja complained. It's just dew, Chiasa said. It won't hurt you. We're gonna stretch. Naja slumped into the grass. Chiasa led her into some stretches. Uma looked up at me. I looked at my second wife. All I could do was smile. Salam, Naja said, brushing by Uma and me. She's crazy, she muttered about Chiasa as she went back into the house. Uma followed her in. Are you next? Chiasa asked, her eyes sparkling and her smile bright. I can't go for much more. Come on, catch me. She ran off. I chased her. She wasn't jogging no more. She dashed like lightning around the whole block twice. On her third attempt, I sped up and passed her, then spun around and snatched her up and spun her around some more, her heart pounding. You're making me dizzy. That's so unfair, she said, laughing and falling. I grabbed her arm and pinned her against a tree. When it was time for Naja to leave out for her school bus, Chiasa said, I'll take her. I am going to school with her today anyway. We'll go together. As they walked out the door, Naja gave me a look. I didn't sympathize with her. I thought she should be grateful to have an amazing sister-in-law like Chiasa. Besides, she was getting to leave with my woman, who I was planning to take out with me for the day. Chiasa looked back and gave me her look. I gave her mine. Her eyes thanked me. She was always thanking me as though I was doing her some favor. She gave Naja cucumber juice for breakfast, Uma said, smiling. 
But she did pack her a lunch. Uma was leaning against the kitchen counter. I was just listening. Maybe I'll go out exercising with them tomorrow morning, she said, stunning me. Your second wife told Naja, your hijab is not a prison or an excuse. Go out and live life, Uma recounted. When Naja translated Shias' words to me, I felt something in my soul. You chose quite a powerful one. Her love for you is immense, and she is simply heavenly. When Chiasa and I were up against the tree earlier, seconds before sunrise, she asked me, Do you know what the secret is to understanding girls? In a girl's heart, there is a desire for adventure. If she doesn't get it, she creates it. But of course, there is a difference between adventure and mischief. Bored girls create mischief because they are not experiencing adventure and they don't know how to get it started. Some of the most evil, most jealous, and rudest girls in Tokyo were the bored ones. Those girls loved chaos, just sat around gossiping, lying, and commenting on the other girls who were actually living out their adventures. I want to make friends with Naja. I want to help her to discover who she is and what she really likes and wants to pursue. I want to help her to get her adventure started. break of a pink dawn, standing beneath an ancient ginkgo biloba tree whose branches each pointed towards the sky and whose leaves dangled like beautiful emerald jewels, my second wife also told me, you and I have to keep our love a secret. I laughed some, but I was listening. I was thinking, is she saying that because the tree is in front of our house and Akimi or Uma or Naja could see us through any front-facing window standing pressed against one another? How can our love be a secret? When I married you in a mosque in the presence of the imam and the witnesses, I asked her, and both of our families already know it. And my first wife, she agreed to it and made it possible. Where's the secret in that? I asked her. I mean, she said, the secret is in the amount of our love, in the intensity of our love, and especially the expression of our love. She sounded sincere, yet I still wasn't clear where she was headed with it. It's funny. No, it's peculiar. Have you noticed that when two people love each other a lot, It makes the people around them feel bad on the inside, she asked me. I never thought about it. Figured these were some feminine thoughts she was having. Almost everyone. Because when a man and a woman love deeply, it seems others feel locked out of that love. And even if the others are people who the man and woman also love, they still feel cheated. Each person wants the same amount of love, it seems, even when their roles are different. Like Naja, she's your little sister, but because of the intensity of our love, she somehow feels locked out. Even my family, Aunt Tasha and Uncle Clem and their sons, who I really do love, seemed a bit irritated by the love that you and I share. Openly, she said, and then I could see her point clearly. Sometimes I feel Uma's feelings, Chiasa continued. I sat down at the roots of the tree, always alert when hearing my Umi mentioned by anyone, even her. She is a beautiful mother, and she's young. Because I am a woman, I'm sometimes wondering if Uma feels lonely on the inside. Sometimes I don't want to laugh too much 
or let myself go when you're loving me, like when I want to shout out in joy, but I restrain myself because I think Uma might hear. She must miss that feeling so much that your father must have given her. It's impossible not to miss that feeling once you have felt it, even once, she said. I know, all of this is a little strange sounding, she said softly, and I just want you to think about it. But don't worry, I already know how we can solve this problem. First, we have to have a secret love, like how the Japanese people conceal their feelings and even manage their facial expressions and gestures and body language. She was looking down towards me. I was looking up towards her. Next, we have to spread our love around more. What? Spread our love around? I cut her off. You want us to hide it and spread it around? I repeated to show her that maybe she was just having one of those emotional confusion days that women have. She laughed. No, I mean, yes. We hide ours and we spread more love around to the ones we love. The ones who feel that you and I, or you or I, are not loving them enough. Get it? She asked me, smiling. I see, she said. Then, when you and I are alone, I mean alone alone, really just you and I, that's when you'll feel me burst out and explode and shout. She jumped up in the air like a cheerleader. Then she dropped down beside where I sat and leaned on me. I leaned on her too. So what are we doing now? I asked her. Are we hiding it? Or are we spreading it around? I hugged her. She liked it. She threw her leg over mine. I know. It's really hard to hide all of these feelings, isn't it? But I want everyone around us to be happy. As happy as we are. And to feel loved enough and comfortable. And if I can conceal all of this love that I have for you and improve the love between us and each of our family members, that would be a really good thing, Ryoshi, she said passionately. Don't hide too much, I told her, or else this hunter will do anything to track you down and drag out whatever you've been hiding that belongs to me. I touched her face. She leaped on me and we fell down, lying on the roots of the tree. We kissed. You're making it hard on me, she said. You're making it hard for me too, I smiled. In the evening, as Jiasa cleaned the kitchen and Naja helped, I overheard them. Are you planning to go to summer school with me every day? Naja asked her. Why not? My college will not begin until September, Chiasa replied. Yes, but what for? Why are you following me around? Naja asked. Because... I'm your sister, and we should at least understand one another. Understand what? Naja asked. Understand who you are, Naja, and who I am as well. You're my brother's second wife, Naja said, like it was an insult. We already know that, but each woman has an identity of her own. I have my own identity and my own reasons. Maybe if you knew my reasons, you might understand me, and then we could love each other more, Chiasa pleaded. Love. I guess we better start off with like. That's probably better, Naja said. Okay, like. That's just fine, Chiasa said softly. Let's start off with the onions that you asked me about. Yes, eating them like that makes your breath smell, Naja said. Have you ever smelled my breath? Chiasa asked. Not really, Naja said. It's really nice because I eat healthy. I love onions because they are a powerful vegetable. They're good for your heart and they cause your hair to grow really nicely. I happen to love them a little more than most people who use them to season foods or thicken soups. Onions make everybody's hair grow? Naja asked curiously. Of course, 
because onions are good for your heart. And if your heart is good, your blood will circulate nicely. You need great blood circulation for your body to be able to grow nice hair. What about my hair? Do you think it's nice? Akimi's is better, Naja said nonchalantly. I used to think so too, Chiasa admitted. But then I realized that what a girl thinks about and also what she thinks about her looks and her hair is what makes her and her hair beautiful. I love my hair now. It's healthy. I keep it moisturized with coconut oil and olive oil. My hair is thick. It's long and I feel pretty. I think Akimi is beautiful. I don't compare my look to hers though. She's unique and I'm unique. Sounds like you're making a salad on your head, Naja mumbled. Oh, and the not eating four-legged animals? That also helps me to be healthier on the inside. People who eat a lot of meat make themselves heavy, sometimes even sick. And you can smell the meats they eat through their pores when they sweat. Americans eat a lot of meat, so they have to use a lot of deodorant. So it's like they ruin their insides. Then they clog the pores of their skin with a lot of chemical deodorants. I don't want that, Chiasa said thoughtfully. How do you know? Maybe everything you're saying is not all the way right. Naja, I only know what I have learned from people who are older and who have lived longer and have already studied and figured out a lot of things. I'm a good student because I really want to learn and because I'm a good listener. I don't just always automatically block out everything that I hear. Besides, when I learn something, I experiment and I research just to double check that it's true. So you think that only old people know everything, Naja asked? I think the wise ones among them know best, but I also learn from young people too, like you and the little girls in your school. I am learning some Arabic words from them and more about Islam. You all were born Muslim, so you've actually been training longer than I have. You should know more, Chiasa admitted. I do know more, Naja mumbled softly. I'm a fighter, Naja. I need to be smart and sharp. I also have to be healthy and light on my feet. And if I don't want to be detected, I don't want the smell of meat oozing from my pores, Chiasa explained. Detected. <laughs> Is somebody chasing you? She laughed again. No, <laughs> not that I know of, but you never know. I've been training since I was five in martial arts. We don't train necessarily because we believe that someone is chasing us. We train because we should and because we want to be prepared for any and all situations that life might show us. I know you and I are girls, Naja, but I believe that girls should be trained and ready and able to defend themselves. I don't have a big brother like you do, but even if I did, I would still train myself. I asked my brother to teach me how to fly. He didn't. Fly? She asked and repeated with excitement. Yes, like he does in the dojo. I've been there before. Those guys leap up in the air like they're flying, my sister said with amazement coming into her voice. I can teach you that if you want to learn. I can definitely, Chiasa smiled. I wanted him to teach me, Naja said softly. It's better if a girl teaches you. Why? Because our bodies are made the same way, and we just know more stuff about women than men know. Like what? Naja challenged. Like the reason I soak my feet twice a week in cranberry juice. Oh, that, Naja said, back to sarcasm. 
In martial arts, we train most often without wearing shoes. We are walking and running, jumping and leaping. Sometimes we are inside of the dojo. A lot of times we are barefoot outdoors. That can make the soles of a girl's feet toughen and feel hard. But if you want your feet to be soft feeling and to remove the germs from all of the places where you were barefooted, Cranberry juice does that, Jiasa explained. Would you like to see and touch my feet for proof? No, Naja raised her voice and almost dropped the teacup she was drying when the dish, with the dish towel, but Chiasa caught it. Okay, okay, they're really soft, and I was just joking about you touching my feet. No, you weren't, Naja retorted. And about the books that I read, Chiasa began. That's enough for today, Naja said. I'm going up to my room to do my homework. Now that I know you're going to follow me to school every day, I have to worry about you telling my brother if I don't complete my assignments. No, I'm not spying or telling on you. I'm just going for a few days each week to help out and to get to know you better. I hope that you'll want to get to know me too. Thank you.